just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. From APP.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. That's right, it's time for Jersey Jump Shot, episode 15 on the season. And finally, the NCAA tournament is here. We cannot wait to get into the brackets and break down this year's tournament. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman. Guys, we made it. The, the tournament's here. I'm looking at the bracket right now on my computer screen, and it's beautiful. I love to see it. It makes this Monday morning so much easier knowing that starting Thursday with our first four, and of course Friday, the, the waves of games waiting for us, and we have a lot to get to. We're going to, of course, break down each region, and we're going to start here at the top because, of course, there's a Jersey story angle, as there always is with everything going on because the Rutgers Scarlet Knights have ended the drought they are back in the NCAA tournament, taking on Clemson in the first round in the Midwest region. And Chris, let's just start with you because you've been covering this team, of course, the entire season. What does this mean for Rutgers and, and how are they feeling about their draw? This is about as good a draw as they could have gotten. I mean, there were some really tough matchups that they could have seen in this first round. But you get a team like Clemson that certainly is a very, very beatable team. They're a lot like Rutgers. They're very defensive-minded. They don't always play great offensively. Uh, so they're very similar to Rutgers. And then if Rutgers wins that, they could see Houston. But again, I think that's another winnable game uh, should Rutgers get to that point. But just focusing on this first-round matchup right now, this is a very, very winnable game. This is a good draw for Rutgers. Uh, I like their chances in it, um, but they should feel good about this going into the tournament. No question. Uh, you know, for the first time in 30 years to get this draw, it's, it's, a, it's a good thing for them. Chris, it's a dream draw. It's a dream draw for Rutgers. Considering what they could have gotten, you know, they could have been stuffed in an 8-9 game against Loyola or a 7-10 game against UConn. Instead, yeah. they get Clemson. Clemson. Clemson's offense makes Rutgers' offense look like Gonzaga. That game is going to, first of all, that game's going to go under, okay? Bet the under. And secondly, it's going to be, a, it's going to, if you don't, if you like bet, if you like shots and buckets and, and highlight real stuff, that's not your game. This game's going to be defense. It's going to be, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be low scoring. It's going to be physical. Um, it's, 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 a, it's not, it's not going to be, uh, you know, what people around the country are going to tune in to watch. But for Rutgers, I mean, they are handed a team that is perfect for them. So it's – and, Steve, you addressed this in your column. This is a game where they have to win this game. They have yep. to win it. And and I also think the way the rug was pulled out from Rutgers last year, I think that is going to just be added motivation for this team this year coming into that first-round game uh, to show everybody, hey, you know – we are a good team. We should have done this last year. We're finally going to get to do it. And I don't think they're going to be messing around out there. I, I, I really like Rutgers in this game. But it's not its not about just being there for Rutgers. Like yesterday was a nice moment for everybody. Look, seeing them in the bracket, 30 years, you know, 
Uh, they finally got there. But to me, if Rutgers goes 0 for 1 here and they end up their postseason 1 and 2 with a win over crappy, you know, pillow soft Indiana, this team will have underachieved. And I have covered Seton Hall numerous times in the NCAA tournament. The difference between winning a game and advancing and none and done and going home is massive is massive in terms of the feeling of accomplishment, the psyche of a program and a fan base. And Rutgers has been given a red carpet here. They've been given a gift. They cannot chunk it up. They well, and, and, have to, have to win this one game. And you heard Pykele yesterday basically say, what are you going to do with this opportunity? He sees this. He realizes this is, this is as good as they could have gotten. So l- go do it. Right. There's not a lot of great storylines with this one. I mean, there would have been some cool, you know, it was UConn, obviously, you know, needless to say, that would have been a cool matchup. Obviously, everything with Oregon, there was that uh, possibility, and that kind of went out the window, obviously. Um, so there's not a lot of great storylines, but but I agree completely. I mean, this is a very, very winnable game. They have to get this win, really, to, to take advantage of this opportunity um, and, and make it something special. So I, I, I think that everybody, you know, I agree. Now, Clemson and, has – why is Clemson – why do they have a seven seed when their Ken Palm is eight spots lower than Rutgers? Rutgers a point spread favorite in this game, even though they're, they're a 10 seed because Clemson's efficiency rating is poor. Clemson, you know, they they had a couple of big wins early on in the season, okay? And they haven't really played that well since. In that sense, they're a lot like Rutgers. You know, they did their best work in December. Uh, but the ACC is, is like, is half the league the Big Ten is. And the other thing is, Clemson is way off the radar down there as far as fans. Their fans aren't going to show up in Indianapolis. Rutgers was playing road games in the Big Ten tournament in Indianapolis last week. That's not going to be the case here. So this really lines up well for Rutgers um, in every sense of the word. You know, go win this game. And then, you know what? Whatever they do beyond that is gravy. But it's not gravy just to be there. Their their season will be viewed historically by what they do against Clemson. And Rutgers too, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but they don't have to travel. They've they stayed out in, in, in Indianapolis for this game, so there's just another advantage to give the Scarlet Knights. Yeah, they're basically residents of Indianapolis right now. They're just hanging out there, uh, waiting for um waiting for Friday night. They stayed out there after the game and, and I think that, that is that is an advantage. They can kind of settle in and not have to move around too much. They're already quarantined there as a team. Uh, so I think that's a good thing. And um you know, it'll be a late it'll be a late game, so we're all gonna have to get the coffee ready and and stay up for that. But um, you know, absolutely, I think that that's a big advantage for Rutgers. Let's discuss the location too. Banker's Life, where the Pacers play. Chris, have you been there? I have, yeah, a few times. What What do you think of that arena? I love it. It's actually one of my favorite. Uh, you know, obviously covering the Knicks and Pacers, and it, I think it's a great place. It's a great arena. Um, it's just a great place to watch a basketball game. So certainly if that place was packed, that would have been awesome. Obviously it's not going to be, but it's a, it's a really cool arena. So I think it's a double-edged sword. It's a pro there's pros and cons to this for Rutgers on the pro side that it's a bigger arena, which then say like uh Hinkle field house or, or assembly hall. And you can get more fans in there. So more, you know, there'll be a capacity cap, but, more Rutgers fans will be able to play there than they attend there than they might have other places. The flip side is, you know, it's an NBA arena, which can be harder on the shooters. Um, and, you know, Rutgers doesn't have good shooters to begin with. So you could see this could be like a, an ugly, ugly fest. And no one cares how That's Rutgers that. wins the game, right? No one cares how they win the game. This is survive in advance time. 
but it might be difficult on the shooters in that in that NBA style arena. So we'll see. But you know, it's it's an interesting venue and a late night game. They're going to be in prime time on Friday. So I mean, that's a lot of fun for everybody. More more difficult for the shooters in the NBA arena, but not as difficult as Lucas Oil Stadium would be, where some of these games are taking place. True, you hear it every True. year when a when a football stadium hosts the Final Four. It's always a storyline for the shooters to try to get used to just the the weird depth perception that you have shooting in this giant arena indoors. That's normally for eighty thousand fans for a football game, and they put a basketball court right at midfield. So definitely easier for Rutgers to to adjust to an NBA arena than it would be this giant cave that they would be playing in in Lucas Oil Stadium. So that's just another thing to keep in mind for the Scarlet Knights. And you mentioned too, Jerry, this 920 uh, start Friday night. Uh, Rutgers fans, I'm sorry, you might be a little bit too nervous to eat dinner that night, but uh, I don't think they'll have any problems staying up for that one, watching their team for the first time in 30 years. But I just want to get back to to what these players are saying, because we've heard it throughout the year that even for the players, it's not enough to go to the NCAA tournament. They're going there to win a game, at least one game. And, you know, they, they end this 30-year drought. It's great for the fans. They'll These players will never have to buy another beer at Old Queens as long as they live because they ended this drought. But now they're going there to, to win a game against Clemson. So I'm just curious, Chris, what have you heard from the players? What have you heard from the coaches? Because this isn't just a, a happy-to-be-there tour. No, and I think you know what we said is is exactly what they're feeling. Like this is not, this isn't just okay. We snapped the drought. You know, we can now everybody be happy. The seniors can graduate and go on and live the rest of their lives knowing that they did this. They're they're here to make a run, and they believe. And this is not something that just last night. This is all, all season. This is in the last few days that they talked about it. They believe that if they play their best basketball, they can make a run. You know, they there's they think that there's absolutely no reason why, you know, they can't be a team that a lot of people are talking about in this week sixteen and and beyond. I mean, you know, we'll see if they can do that. Of course, saying it and doing it are two completely different things. And this is a very, very difficult tournament. We all know that. But they are here to make a run. They believe that when they play their best, they can do that. They believe that playing in the Big Ten, which is just a gauntlet every single night, has prepared them for this moment, prepared them for the tournament, these types of grinded out games. In a lot of ways, the Big Ten season, the regular season, is survive in advance, and now they're doing it again. So they believe that if they play their best, they can they can make a run. We'll see if that happens. Yeah, but the the other thing about it is you can only you're only as good as your draw in the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, it's not it's it's less about you than it is about your draw. A lot of times, again, we saw that with Seton Hall, who sent some very good teams and got some really tough draws. Rutgers wasn't making a run if they were stuck in the corner with Gonzaga. It wasn't happening. Baylor wasn't happening. But now it could happen. Um, so with regarding the, the, the other thing about this team, intangible with Rutgers, this is it for a lot of these guys. Like, I know everybody could come back next year. That's not happening. That's not happening. You know, Rutgers is graduating. There's three, three core players, starters, arguably the three best players on a team, three of the four best players, along with Ron Harper, are seniors, are graduating. They might not come back. You know, I think at least one won't, probably two won't, and it's possible all three won't come back. So this is it for these guys. There is definitely a sense of a chance for a valedictory here in this tournament. And just taking a step back, you know, we mentioned Clemson, which we'll, I'll give you my prediction on that game in a minute. But Houston is the two seed that's lurking in the next round, okay? Another good draw because you got away from Baylor. You got away from Gonzaga. Uh, you know, the other two seed could have been – Alabama, who I think is notch better than Houston. Here's the thing about Houston. Houston has talent, okay? 
Houston has played nobody in months because there wasn't much of a non-conference schedule. Like a team like Houston, in a normal year, Kelvin Sampson would have loaded up on a tough non-conference schedule. It was hard to do this year. So they played one good team at a conference, and they won that game. They beat Texas Tech. That's notable, okay? That's a legitimizing win. It was a long time ago. So I don't know what Houston's going to do if they get punched in the mouth in one of these games because they haven't really been. I mean, they've had some close games, and they've lost a couple. But they haven't really been challenged by another high major in a long time. Uh, Samson is a very good coach. Houston is kind of small. They do push the ball. They can score. That can help Rutgers because, you know, the last thing Rutgers wants to do is be bogged down in a half-court offense. But also, if Houston throws a 12-0, 13-0 run on you, Rutgers is not catching up. So, but it's for the considering where Rutgers is, what their resume was, it's probably the best possible two-game draw they could have gotten. There's no question. Let's see if they can beat Clemson. I think they will. I'm going to say Rutgers 60, Clemson 53, couple possessions. I think they can win this decisively. Yeah, I agree with you there, Jerry. I think Rutgers wins um, right in the range that you're predicting. Seven points or so, uh, I could see that uh, as low as five, maybe as many as ten if they hit some free throws or whatever to to close out the game. But I do like Rutgers over that matchup. And then uh, the second round, probably against Houston. Uh, exactly what you said, Jerry. Houston's kind of been on autopilot this entire season. They really haven't had to, to rev it up to, to beat a good team in a very long time. Uh, they didn't play the schedule that Rutgers played with nine teams from the Big Ten making the tournament. Rutgers ran an absolute gauntlet this year. I'm not saying they beat Houston. I'm not saying that because they do have talent. They are a good team. But you like their chances against this two seed more than really any other two seed in the entire tournament that they could have matched up with. So I believe they get past Clemson, and I think they give Houston way more, way more than they'd ever want to handle in the second round. Not saying they went outright, but they at least make it close and potentially, potentially find themselves in the Sweet 16. I'm going to say, like I said, comfortable win over over Clemson and a close loss within the point spread probably to Houston. Five, six points to loss to Houston. What do you guys think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you 100% on the Clemson game. The ACC, the guys in the ACC just weren't playing the caliber of competition that Rutgers has been playing all year. You know, Rutgers is battle tested for this moment. And I, again, I think they win it by com- comfortably. I think they could win by double digits. Now, with that said, I think that same theory comes into play against Houston. Again, Rutgers has been banging with some of the best teams in the country. Um, you know, does that give them a chance to beat Houston? I think it does. Um, and hey, listen, I, I think it's possible. I, I, I'm going to say Rutgers, Rutgers gets the sweet 16. They, I said it. <laughs> wow. wow I heard it here first. <laughs> I, so here's my, my concern, my problem with predicting these games. We never know what version of Rutgers is going to show up. <laughs> and so I think that it's, it's, I just have a tough time believing. I think that they're going to be Clemson. I think they'll do it fairly easily. I agree with everybody there. I just have a tough time believing that they're going to be able to deliver that type of performance two in a row, considering what we've seen the last few weeks. So that's my concern with picking them to beat a team like Houston. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go with Jerry on this one. I think a, a pretty fairly easy win over Clemson and then a, a close loss to Houston as well. That's that's the way I'm going to go. I just, could, we, I just don't know what team is going to show up tw- two games in a row. If they play Houston, Rutgers fans are going to see just how ornery Kelvin Sampson is. 
He is an ornery guy. The guy can coach. He is an ornery guy. He's no Steve Peichel. <laughs> <laughs> but, but either way, when, when Rutgers tips off 920 on Friday, they're the 10th seed against the 7th seed Clemson. Enjoy it, Rutgers fans. I know you'll be nervous. You won't be able to eat dinner that night. But sit down and, and smell the roses at least for the first couple minutes of, of realizing what you're watching, uh, seeing your team in the tournament for the first time in 30 years. Uh, as for Seton Hall, of course, uh, disappointed but not surprised. They stumbled down the uh, the stretch in the regular season. They are not in the NCAA tournament, but but they declined an invitation to the NIT. What does that mean for the Pirates? Well, first of all, I just want to say that you, this will always be a what-if game, right? Because, you know, Creighton laid a total egg against Georgetown in the Big East tournament final. A total egg. And would they have laid that egg against Seton Hall? Seton Hall was tied with Georgetown with two minutes left. Would they have laid that egg? We'll never know. It's different matchups. We'll never know. But you wonder if it was there for the taking, really missed opportunity for the Pirates. Declining an NIT bid. Okay. To me, it made perfect sense. People might say, well, why would you do that? Well, because the traditional NIT, the games are played on the campuses of the higher seed until the final four in New York, New York City. And I think if that was the case, Seton Hall would have would have would be in the NIT. Okay. But to to travel to Texas to quarantine, you know, go into a bubble down in Texas this year when they have just been absolutely exhausted and really the mental health of all these athletes have been pushed to the limit by the 6 a.m. swabs up the nose and the isolation, not seeing their families, not seeing friends, not seeing girlfriends, living in almost total isolation for five months. I have no qualms. And anybody who cares about the mental health of these athletes would have no qualms with them packing it in. Now, you might say, well, they wouldn't have declined a bid to the NCAA tournament. Well, that's different. That's different, man. That's playing for the NCAA championship. Of course, they're going to be revved up to do that and go the extra mile for that. It's just not worth it for the NIT this year. I like the NIT. I think it's a good event, but not this year. I don't even think they should be holding it this year. So I have no problem with it. And I think when you most Seton Hall fans and most fans of these teams, St. John, Xavier, declined, when you really think about it, you should have no issue with this. Is it, is there a scenario too? I mean, not for Seton Hall, but for some of these teams that were just left out of the NCAA tournament, are they potentially hanging around waiting for an invite if a team is to drop out? Is that another scenario that some of these teams are maybe looking at? Yeah, Louisville is the top. You know, the the wait on the waiting list, and we'll see if Virginia can get its act together. Virginia has has a COVID outbreak, so if they have to scratch, Louisville will jump in as the number four seed in the West Region. And then, you know, there's seven, we're in the midst of seven days of COVID testing. And if there's another, if a team has an outbreak, they're going to have to pull withdraw. And Louisville's going to take their place unless it's a, a team one from a one-bid league. And then that league, let's say if it's Iona, for example, then the, then the MAC would send, they would send, uh, they would send uh, Fairfield. So, you know, the runner-up in the tournament. So I have a feeling, you know, you're going to have one withdrawal. I think it's hard to get 68 for 68 this week. I hope there isn't any. Right. There aren't any withdrawals, but I think there's probably going to be one, is my guess. Yeah, certainly for the fans of two that are, you know, starved for this tournament after not having it last year. You hope that all the teams uh, in the fields are able to play and, and everything runs smoothly. Let's go through these regions, and we're going to start with the West. And uh, just so you know how we do it, we're going to pick uh, a couple upsets potentially in that region. We're going to look at the best game in that region. Uh, we'll nominate a sleeper team that could go on a run 
and then we will pick our uh, region winner. And then, of course, as we wrap up the show, we'll have our final four as well. But let's start in the West and, and look at some of these matchups. And uh, we'll just go around with our upsets, best game, sleeper, favorite, Jerry. Uh, let's begin with you. Yeah, I'm going to go with the upset of number 13 seed Ohio over Virginia because even if Virginia shows up in this tournament, they they might not have the whole team. They might have a partial team. They might have players arriving a day or two before without getting acclimated. So uh, there's a lot going against Virginia here. They're not a vintage team anyway. I like 13 seed Ohio as the upset. Uh, my my game to watch is uh, I, I'm going to go with I like Drake and USC. I like Drake to get by Wichita, which I don't know if Wichita belongs in this tournament. Uh, I like Drake, which, you know, is a really, really good mid-major to, uh, to, to win that, that playing game and then get USC in an 11-6 game. And that's a tremendous clash of, you know, I think a heavyweight power conference with a, with a mid-major. I think that would be a really fun game, uh, to, to watch there. The, uh, the sleeper team, boy, it's tough to pick a sleeper and a team when Gonzaga's involved. Uh, I'm going to look at Oregon because Oregon's at number seven. I can see them making a run. Eugene Omarui, former Rutgers star, is the best, you know, is an all Pac-10, Pac-12 player. Oregon also hasn't had their full team together until recently. They had injuries. They had guys sitting out, joining late. So if they start to get hot because there's a lot of talent there, I could see them making a run, getting into like an Elite Eight scenario. But to me, this thing is all about Gonzaga. They got a, they're the best team. They also got a soft draw. I cannot fathom another team representing the West in the Final Four than Gonzaga. Yeah, I agree with you there, Jerry. Uh, just to go through mine real quickly. Uh, upsets that I like. Uh, I first like uh, University of California Santa Barbara over Creighton. That's a 5-12 matchup. Uh, we just talked about Creighton, how they laid an egg in the Big East. And, of course, they have a little bit of uh, controversy and, ter- and turmoil going on with their head coach. Uh, I like UCSB in that game. And then you mentioned it too, Jerry, Drake and USC. I like Drake, the 6-11 matchup after they beat Wichita in the first four to take down USC in the first round uh, matchup there. That's a 6-11 game. The best game overall, well, I'm fast-forwarding a little bit, and of course it might not happen, but I would love to see a Gonzaga-Virginia Sweet 16. Uh, I think that would be a pretty interesting matchup. I know the ACC isn't what it is, but uh, Virginia certainly has the pedigree with their coaching and, and some of these players to, I think, finally challenge Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga wins the game, but that could be a good one. Uh, my sleeper, I might get called out on this because I don't know how many three-seeds can be a sleeper, but I like Kansas as a sleeper. They really weren't talked about, I feel like, that much. The Big 12 was so deep. It was all about Baylor. You can't pick uh, a three-seed as a sleeper? Oh, I'm doing it, Jerry. Kansas I'm is doing a blue it. blood. They're a blue is, blood and a three-seed. It's the quietest Kansas team we've had in years, I feel here. like. Years. we've had, we They weren't talked about at all. They, they were dropping that. in and out of the rankings. It's all about Baylor this year. It's been all about West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and the Big 12. Uh, Kansas, yeah, I know they're a three-seed. I know. I know. But they haven't had the attention that Kansas typically gets. So I think they're going to remind some people that they're still Kansas this year and maybe go on a bit of a run. But like you said, Jerry, the favorite in this region, it's Gonzaga. They have an easy draw. I think there's really, if, if they're not in the Final Four, I don't know what would have happened. Maybe their bus got lost on the way to the arena or something. But they've got to be there. What do you guys think, uh, Steve? Well, as I'm looking at this region... You know, I, I actually agree with you on an upset early. I, I like the Gauchos, I, I, UCSB. And not only do I like them in that first round game, 
I think they're going to have a shot against would probably be Ohio in that second game, which would put them into the sweet 16. Um, if I'm looking at, you know, a, a first round game that I think is very interesting. Um, definitely that USC game against either Wichita state or Drake. I think it'll be Drake. And I think Drake has a good chance in that game. Um, if I'm looking for a sleeper in this region, it's Iowa for sure. Um, a seven seed. I think they're very good. They showed that all year. And I, I am looking at Gonzaga, Iowa as a regional final. And I think Gonzaga gets by that, but you know, I think it's a nice run for Iowa in that region. They played, you know, earlier in the season, it was a, it was like a hundred to 90. It was a really good yep. entertaining, entertaining game. Yep. Chris, what do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I like Ohio over, uh, you know, number 13, Ohio over Virginia, as, as Jerry said earlier, I think because of what the Cavaliers have gone through the last few weeks. I think it's going to be tough for them. Uh, I like Grand Canyon beating Iowa. No, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I, and this, is a, this, I, this is a very, very tough, um, I, I don't know, may, I think maybe Oregon could put, put a decent run together, but I agree with what everybody else said. It's going to be a Gonzaga in the, in the final four, I, you know. So in terms of sleepers, I don't really see too many in this in this region. Um, yeah, I, I like I like Gonzaga going all the way. Let's look at the East now. Uh, that bracket, uh, the one seed in the East is Michigan. Uh, I'll kick things off. Uh, my upset pick for that bracket, uh, I like BYU to lose to whomever they play, whether that's uh, Michigan State or UCLA. I think it's going to be Michigan State, but that's a six eleven matchup. Uh, so I like Michigan State over BYU as an upset. Uh, the best game, again, fast-forwarding a little bit, but I'd love to see Texas and Alabama in the Sweet 16. Uh, that would be a 2-3 matchup in that one. I think that would just be an outstanding game. I would love to see that game in the Sweet 16. Uh, sleeper team, the number four seed. I like Florida State. Uh, they have UNC Greensboro to open things up in a 4-13 matchup. Then they're looking at either Colorado or Georgetown. I think it's going to be Colorado. I think Georgetown's just going to run out of gas. Uh, so I like Florida State to maybe make a little bit of noise in that bracket. And the winner coming out of the bracket, uh, I'm going to go with a little bit of an upset. I like the three seed, the Texas Longhorns. I think the East is a fascinating region. No I mean, question. As you look at no it, question. I, I mean, if you, I'm honestly, if you, if you're Nate Oates, okay, who is a really good coach, won an NCAA game at Buffalo, and now all of a sudden you're fist pumping with Rick Pitino before the game, you know, we, as your two seed team gets to take them on. That's a really tough first round draw. Now, I'm not saying that Iona is as talented as Alabama, but if anyone has a bag of tricks, they can pull out some stuff here. It's Rick Pitino. Um, so I think that is a, I think that is a great first round game. That, that's the game I would highlight right there. And I'm not putting it past Iona to get past that game. I, I you know, I, wow, I just, that would be a, that was, could, could you let me tell you, the Pitino CBS, CBS executives would be going nuts if that happens. So <laughs> I, I'm, Hey, I'll, hey, listen, I think they got a shot just because of Patino. And honestly, if you look at that, if they were to get by that game, you know, like a UConn, Iona game in the second round, unbelievable. You know, <laughs> um, if I'm looking at, at a, a team I really like to advance here, um, I'm going to look at Michigan State. You know, again, it's Izzo. It's coming out of the Big Ten. You know, they've, they, you know, They've got games they can win here, and 
I, I also like Georgetown advancing. I know everyone thinks they're going to run out of gas, but I'm going to look at a Georgetown Michigan state regional final with Izzo getting it done. Oh, wow. That would be something else. This bracket's getting blown up. It's hard to pick Michigan because their best players hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, Isaiah Livers is the heart and soul of the team. So to me, it's, uh, first of all, I love the St. Bonaventure LSU game. I love it. You could not find two more opposite programs and opposite coaches. You have St. Bonaventure, which is this like model of, you know, what it's all about, right? Mark Schmidt, super well-respected, great guy, great strategist, does a lot with, you know, a little. Um, and then you have LSU, which is like printing money and involved in all kinds of sleazy NCA stuff, FBI stuff. The coach is a sleaze ball. And so, you know, they, they roll out the balls basically with all the talent they have. It's a co- I, I love St. Bonaventure to win that game. Love it. And then I like St. Bonaventure to pick off Michigan in the second round. Whoa. Give me St. Bonaventure I, making a run in the tournament as a sleeper. It. Oh, my goodness. Um, and then I like UConn here. I think UConn is, is underseeded because they played a, a long stretch without their best player, James Booknight, who arguably is the best player in the Big East. They're healthy now. They're good inside. They're good outside. Uh, and if they play Alabama, by the way, Nate Oates and uh, and Dan Hurley are, f- are good friends. So you'll hear about that. I believe they coach together at some point. And then, you know, I like, to me, my sleeper team, I'm going to go with UConn in the Final Four. I think UConn makes a run healthy. I like that they went out earlier in the Big East tournament. I think that'll motivate them. So give me UConn in the Final Four. And give me St. Bonaventure knocking off the one seed in a wild, wild Wild East. In my upset, I would go Georgetown over Colorado in that first round as an upset. Um, my sleeper team, I also do like UConn. I think that they're better than a seven seed at this point with the way that they play defense. Um, I think that they're just they're. I think that they're poised to, to really make do some damage here. Um, and I, I just, I don't like, I don't, know, I don't see Michigan making it uh, to the Final Four given everything they've gone, gone through. Um, the injuries. I, I like Alabama going to the Final Four here. I would love to see Rick Pitino make a run, but I don't think it's going to happen. All right, let's take a look at the South bracket now. That's where Baylor is the number one seed. Uh, I'll kick things off again with my upset pick, and this might be a popular one. I like Winthrop over Villanova. Uh, Villanova's just banged up. Uh, I think their their tournament experience for a Villanova team is is really as as little as they've had in, in a long time. So I like Winthrop there in a five twelve matchup to take down Villanova. The best game uh, I like Texas Tech versus Utah State in the first round. I, I think that's a great matchup there. Utah State uh, made some noise this year. They were a good uh, good team. Texas Tech coming out of the Big Twelve, uh, probably right after the Big Ten, as good a conference as you're going to find in the country. And then looking ahead, potentially Baylor and Purdue in the Sweet Sixteen. I think that would be another good one. Uh, my sleeper team, I just mentioned them, Texas Tech. I think they can make a little bit of a run as a six seed overall in that region. Uh, Mac McClung, when you have a player like that, you always see these star players just kind of rise to the occasion in the in the uh, the big tournament. So I think they have a great score in McClung. I think he can kind of carry them to a few wins to make some noise. But overall, I'm going chalk again. I, I just can't see Baylor stumbling in this bracket. I mean, you have Ohio State, I think could give them some trouble if they get to the regional final. Uh, again, it's the two best conferences going at it. But it's, it's hard for me to envision Baylor uh, stumbling before they get to the final four. My upset pick in the first round is Villanova. I'm the only person in America picking Villanova to beat Winthrop. (laughs) 
I think they'll get it together at least for one game. Uh, and Jay Wright is, let's face it, he's one of the best coaches in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best first-round game to me is North Carolina-Wisconsin. Total clash of opposites. North Carolina has a lot of talent. Wisconsin's got a bunch of grinders. It'll be fascinating to see which way that game goes. My final, you know, and I like, I like, um, you know, Arkansas's potential to make a run, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go a little against the grain and say Ohio State because it's so physical, so tough. And uh, Chris Holtman's such a terrific coach. I like them to get by Baylor and what should be a really, really good Elite Eight game. I, I think this is a very, very good region here. I, I tell you what, if I'm looking at first round games, I think uh, are interesting. Arkansas Colgate. I mean, I don't know if Colgate can get it done, but they can score. Uh, and it's going to be, and they both like to run. So it's going to be exciting, whatever happens in that. That game. is a good game. Um, listen, I like, I like Winthrop too. I'm with the rest of America. I think Winthrop's a good team. And, you know, Villanova is not Villanova. So um, I, I think Winthrop in that game, if I'm looking for a team that's going to make a, a deep run here, I definitely think it's Ohio State. You know, I, I, I think I think they've been battling all year. You saw how good they looked the other day uh, in the final. Um, I like Ohio State to get by Baylor in the regional final. Yeah, I'm going Winthrop over Villanova, too. Um, the Florida Virginia Tech game kind of interests me. That's that's an interesting one, but I do, I do like Ohio State um, making another deep run. You know, EJ Liddell the way he plays, I, I I like them a lot. Um, but I'll say Baylor goes uh, goes to the Final Four. And last but not least, let's take a look at the Midwest bracket. That's where Illinois is the number one seed. Uh, this is also where Rutgers is playing, and my upset pick. And I don't know how much of an upset it is. I have number 10 Rutgers taking down Clemson in that first round game. Uh, you know, you look down, it's not just me picking Rutgers because we do a Jersey basketball podcast, but you look down this this bracket and that's really the one that just jumps out to you. I think Rutgers is a bit underseeded or uh, overseeded, I guess, whichever one higher than they should be. Clemson uh, as a seven seed of a week ACC. We've talked about it at the top of the show. I like Rutgers as the upset pick there. Uh, best game, Oklahoma State and Illinois. That could potentially be our uh, uh, region final there or region semifinal, I guess, the Sweet 16. And uh, looking ahead, too, I also would love to see Illinois versus West Virginia in the uh, Midwest bracket final, if both of those teams are able to get there. Uh, but I do think uh, also a Rutgers versus Houston, that could be a great game, too, in the second round. Uh, certainly another upset candidate, as we've talked about. Uh, sleeper team, I like Oklahoma State. Uh, I think they were a little bit disrespected in this region, to be honest. Uh, they beat West Virginia twice in the last week. And they're the four seed, and West Virginia is the three seed. Uh, I also like San Diego State. They're a six seed. Uh, they have Syracuse in a six eleven matchup there. Uh, but I see once again going chalk. I know I'm boring. I like Illinois coming out of this bracket. I think it's Illinois over West Virginia in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. I, one of the best first round games of the entire tournament is Loyola against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech won the ACC tournament. They have a, a New York City tough point guard, Jose Alvarado. Loyola is really good, really, really good. Georgia Tech also has one of the probably the wackiest coach in the tournament. Uh, Josh Pastner, he's a strange guy. He wears a face shield and he says a lot of bizarre things. And I like, I love Loyola in this game. I think it's a fascinating game. Porter Moser's totally opposite, a down to earth guy that Loyola's coach. 
Loyola, Illinois is a great, that's a terrific second round game. And Loyola is good. That's a tough draw for Illinois in the second round. Um, I also like San Diego State as a sleeper. Syracuse does not belong in this tournament, and they're going to get their butts kicked in that first round game. So I just can't pick against Illinois. They're loaded. I, I cannot see them not winning. I do think they'll have a tough time with Loyola. I just cannot see Illinois n- not emerging from this bracket. They're so good and so red hot. You know, I, in terms of first round games in the Midwest, I don't think they can win it, but I think Liberty is going to give Oklahoma State a good game. Liberty's better than I think a lot of people. Yeah, they've won in the tour. They've advanced in the past. Yeah, so I, I think that's going to be a good game. I, I'm not saying Liberty can win that game, but I think that's going to be entertaining. I think they will give them a battle. Um, in terms of teams that I think can can make a deep run, you know, I think West Virginia. I mean, I really like West Virginia. Um, how about a, a West Virginia Rutgers uh, Sweet 16 matchup for you, Ryan? Uh, that would tear my world apart, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I like West Virginia as a team that 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 could make a deep run. I don't think anybody's beating Illinois. I mean, I think you saw it this weekend how good that team is. Um, and uh, so I like I like Illinois over West Virginia in the regional final as well. Yeah, Clemson Rutgers is the game that I think is is going to be a really good one that first round in that region. Then I like San Diego State as a sleeper team. I think that they're uh, I think they're going to beat Syracuse easily. Um, but in the end, I just think that Illinois is going to come out. I mean, I you watched them the other day; they're so good, and they're playing some of their best basketball of the season at just the right time. So I like them uh, going all the way. Let's go around now. Our final four. Uh, my bracket: I have uh, Gonzaga versus Texas in the semifinal. I'll take the Zags in that one. Baylor versus Illinois, which will be a great game, but that's one that happens in the semifinals. Give me Illinois in that game, and then I'll take, hmm, I'll take Illinois over Gonzaga in the championship game. Uh, give me, give me Gonzaga over Illinois in the championship game. I know a team has not run the table since Indiana in '76. I, I think this is the time that it happens. I've I've got Illinois over Gonzaga in the final. I've got uh, I've got three Big Ten teams and Gonzaga in the in the final four. Illinois over Gonzaga for me too. Can't wait. It's it's here. Can't <laughs> believe it's happening. Uh, we're just so excited that it's finally finally NCAA tournament time uh, again Thursday. Our first four kicks off, and then the craziness, the chaos, really begins Friday with all these games happening throughout the weekend. We're looking forward to it. Uh, of course, we're going to be busy this week. We've already had a, a lot of Rutgers and Seen Hall coverage uh, leading up to this, and I'm sure we've got more on the way. So as we wrap up, uh, Jerry, let's start with you. Some things that our listeners can read this week. Today, a feature on Miles Johnson. He's interning at IBM right now and 25 hours a week. And I interviewed his, his supervisor, something different. I also, well, I'm also going to be coming out with a list of Jersey guys to watch in the NCAA tournament. And I'm also going to have something uh, uh, wrapping up uh, Seton Hall's season, like five offseason priorities for the Pirates. Yeah, I'm going to have uh, a little something on two local guys, uh, Ranny guys, Scotty Lewis and Brian Antoine, uh, talking to their Ranny school coach, Taj Holden, who won a national championship at Maryland in 2002. So uh, I think I'll have some interesting perspective on them. So I, uh, I have a story this morning, um, kind of looking back at, you know, what we were talking about earlier about Rutgers wanting to take advantage of that opportunity that they're going to get. So uh, some quotes in there from some of the players um, about what they're hoping to do. And then tomorrow morning, uh, I won't give too much away, but I have a story looking back at somebody from Rutgers past 
uh, who's a very well-known name and had some interesting things to say about the program and uh, his time uh, when he was there. So I think uh, I think fans will, will enjoy that one. It's That'll a good one. It's a, it's a it's a must-read. We can't say any more. We can't tip the hand. It's a really good one. We'll be looking forward to that. The best sports weekend of the year is here, so enjoy it. Thank you for listening to our extended episode of Jersey Jump Shot. Uh, be sure to tell your friends to subscribe on SoundCloud, Spotify, or iTunes. We'll be back next week looking ahead at the Sweet 16 and Elite 8. But until we get there, enjoy the games this week. Thank you for listening. For Jerry, for Chris, for Steve, I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next week. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.